Hello, 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 and welcome to the third Fight Like a Girl podcast. This week, I had the very good fortune of meeting the wonderful Helen Curry. Helen, for those of you who don't know, is the UK's very first female Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and just an all-around lovely person. Um, She and her husband, uh, Darren, run the combat base up in Yorkshire, and if I'm honest, I can't recommend uh, going to visit them enough. So if you're ever in the area, please uh, feel free to drop in. Uh, They always love new people and um, getting getting to roll with new and interesting people. So, yes, very much do that. Um, Those of you who are friends with me on Facebook have probably already read the fact that I'm not overly happy with how the audio turned out. There are some very jarring uh, elements to the audio that's been recorded. I'm going to try and fix as much of it as I can in post. However, I can't make any promises, so if you are listening to this on a personal device, please don't listen at full volume because it may, well, it won't may blow out your ears, it will hurt your ears a lot. Um, I know this because I listened to it myself on the way home from recording it and almost had a mini heart attack in my car. Um, Yes, the first 15 seconds of audio had to be cut, so um, it kind of starts off halfway through a sentence. And it starts off with the monotonous ticking. The monotonous ticking at the beginning is the loudest it's going to be. So if you can uh, adjust your audio to where you're comfortable with that, then you should be okay. Um, I could go on forever about how uh, annoyed I am at my mics and how the audio turned out. But instead, I'm just going to let you listen for yourselves. I would really urge you to stick with it because the content in there is amazing. Helen is literally just a font of interesting stories and Brazilian jiu-jitsu knowledge. Um, She is so wonderful that I can't even put into words. So, um, yeah, without further ado, I am an all-around lovely person from what I've witnessed so far. (laughs) Thank you. would you be able to just give a, a quick like 30 second background to yourself and then I'll ask some more questions and go a bit more in depth. Background into me personally? You personally and a bit like just weighted more towards jiu-jitsu. Okay, well obviously um, I'm, I moved down here to Yorkshire when I was 12 from Scotland um, and then obviously done all my education everything down here in Yorkshire um, I've done my nurse training ODP training and sports therapist training so very much into the human body mm. um, human body absolutely fascinates me and then obviously the martial arts side comes into that as well because you want to break you, it too yeah <laughs> You've got to know how to um, move properly and everything. So everything I've kind of done in my life is all involved with the human body mm. and movement and things like that. Um, and like um, the jiu-jitsu part of it and the martial arts part of it. I was late getting into martial arts. I was in my early 20s when I get into martial arts. Um, but... I've always been a very physical mm. person. I've always done horse riding. 
I've yeah. always done, I used to play handball, I was, I've always been a team sports person, so I've always been very sporty. Probably growing up with seven brothers does that for you, <laughs> and um, so my brothers were always very sporty, football and stuff like that, so you just kind of follow and them yeah. kind of things, and then like I say, I found martial arts late on. Psst, hello. Um, yeah, really sorry to do this halfway through the podcast. This is the part that was most heavily cut, and it cuts out the very beginning of one of Helen's stories, and I can only apologise for that. Basically, Helen goes into a little bit of detail on how she got into the martial arts, um, the part of the story that was cut is where she was explaining how she had originally taken her son to kickboxing and it would originally just be for an hour at the weekends and then uh, it progressed on to two hours which is where the story picks back up again so yeah I didn't want there to be such a massive uh, jump without an explanation so I can only apologize um, yeah okay love you bye you had to go to class for two hours on on a Saturday and then I, I used to go down and down he was only young so I wasn't going to leave him and and then I got to thinking why am I standing here not doing anything I may as well join in so that's how I started actually doing martial arts all together and that was in in taekwondo and um, so that was your first martial arts that was my first martial art was taekwondo so then um, I used to do it with my son Jonathan um, and we used to go every Saturday for um, two hours and then it went up to three hours you were there for and then that gradually I started going on other evenings and things as m the more I got into the taekwondo and because stuff you wanted like to that beat him up. yeah <laughs> well it was nice because like obviously in in traditional taekwondo and things like that martial arts you, you you've got your kicking you've got your striking but you've also got your patterns and things like mm. that to do. So it was nice that I could learn the patterns because then me and Jonathan used to do them together. Mm. So it was a really good way of bonding and everything as well with my son. Yeah. And um, and then obviously I progressed on to other things. But that's initially how I got into martial arts. Awesome. So um, you started taekwondo first and how did you get into jiu-jitsu from taekwondo originally we got into jiu-jitsu obviously it was because of the ufc and pat smith was fighting hoist gracie and pat smith kickboxer so we didn't know much about brazilian jiu-jitsu at that mm -hmm. time and we just thought eh, pat smith gonna walk through this guy and obviously then we got the video at the time not dvd video of the ufc mm. and um put it on watching it and then we thought hoist took a few shots from pat smith and the next thing we knew hoist take him down choked him out and it was like what happened so it was we rewound it and watched it again and we rewound it again and watched it again and rewound it in slow motion <laughs> did it and thinking what the hell just happened it kind of blew 
out of the water everything that we'd been doing in the traditional mm. the striking the kicking and getting in and out and things like that and it was just it just blew our mind what the hell is this brazilian jiu-jitsu what's mm. this about so that was kind of the opening to us and we thought we need to learn we need to know more about this we need to find out more about what this brazilian jiu-jitsu mm. is um because it, it, it just kind of you just think to yourself We'd been doing taekwondo for quite a few years by then, and and yeah. it was just. So, ah. in 1997, like resources were scarce on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in general, and even more so, I believe, in the UK. So, how exactly did you uh, come about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as a whole? We found out there was um, um, some. Carly Gracie came to Droitwich. And was doing a seminar, and we were there. We were there. We as soon as we found out about it, we thought, right, we need to be at this seminar. First at the door. First at the door, <laughs> um, and off we goes down to this um, seminar and everything, and that kind of hooked us even more. Um, so after that kind of thing, any time there was any seminars anywhere in the country we would be there and we were also um we we'd, we'd found this guy who did instructional videos of all to do with brazilian well he did all martial arts but he, he, he we, we used to get this leaflet through sort of thing with everything on <laughs> with um <laughs> Of all these videos to do with all sorts of martial arts, but mm. then there was Brazilian Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructionals. So we thought, right, we started getting these instructionals. We started doing things um, ourselves, training together, um, and 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 trying to just. It was trial and error. A mm. lot of the time, we 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 were we would do slow mo motion on the videos while we got moves and and looking at the little bits every time there was any seminars anywhere we were there mm. and then of course we got a phone call from a guy called andy norman who did the casey fighting system over in hull and he got in touch with us through we um darren used to advertise at the local library for our taekwondo classes and um, Andy got in touch and said um, he'd got Chris Houter coming over. He was the first um, American jiu-jitsu guy to get his black belt in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He was part of the Dirty, Dirty Dozen in America. Did we want to come and train with him? And we thought we sure do. So off we goes um, one Sunday morning over to Hull into this tiny little village in the middle of nowhere, um, Church Hall. And there was Chris Houter and Chance, who was one of Chris's purple belts at the time. And there must have been about 50 people in this church hall. Just absolutely couldn't believe how many people were there wanting to know what this Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was all about. And obviously, we'd been to a few seminars We'd, we'd been to Carly Gracie, we'd been to um, Marco Huas, um, no, what we're doing, but we've been to 
to other people and we'd explained that we'd been to other seminars and we'd got some instructional videos and things and got talking to Chris. But the thing that stood out for us more than anything in that seminar was Chris took everybody on in that room mm. and it just it, it just wiped the floor with everybody. <laughs> and you had people from all aspects of martial arts, from judo, mm. guys who were black belts in judo, who were well known for um, things they'd accomplished. There, were, there was all sorts of different arsenal of martial arts and he just wiped the floor with everybody and I think out of everything that's stuck in our mind what is this Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that you can do that with people mm. from every aspects of what we've known so that's how we kind of started and then obviously we talked to Chris at the end found out that Chris lived in California in Redondo Beach um, my brother lived in California so that's where we met Chris and we started bringing Chris over twice a year. Over here, we started going over to California and training with him in California and everything because obviously it was great for us with my brother living out there mm. and things like that. So that's how we met Chris and that's how, and we always class Chris as our coach. Chris has is, Chris is been our coach from there, basically. Awesome. I, I do find that... Um children today don't really understand the difficulties of people from just 10 years ago or 20 years ago now like VHS when you say you watched in slow motion it's not the same as watching something in slow motion now no because it's very higgledy piggledy <laughs> but, definitely um, <clears throat> so to pick up the moves from that couldn't have been uh, very easy but obviously it worked for you and it was all you really had at the time yeah of course that was it that's all we did have and uh, and it was it like I say it was because both me and Darren were we wanted to know mm. more we wanted to learn more we were it was like it was trial and error for a lot of the times we would we would be trialing things we would do things and then obviously we started doing a bit of judo to get a bit more groundwork because there was there wasn't any Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so we mm. thought, right, okay, then we'll... Well, it was actually Darren that said he wanted to do judo, so I went down to support him and ended up joining in. Um, and then, obviously, we, would, we were learning the judo, which was good for the throwing side of things because, obviously, you, you need that in jiu-jitsu as well. Yeah. Even though in jiu-jitsu they don't concentrate so much on the takedowns and the throws... Um, but you do need that side of things. So the judo helped us with that. But when we were going to the ground, obviously your judo is a bit more static and a bit more about your pins, mm. whereas your jiu-jitsu is a bit more fluid and about movement. And yeah, you've got your pins and, and your positions, but it's about trying to finish that person with yeah. either chokes, strangles, arm bars and things like that. So it was like we started using what we were learning that little bit in the jiu-jitsu and things that Chris was showing us, then we would try on the judo people. So awesome. we, we sort of combined the both together. And um, so that was good. And, um, and our movement grew more fluid because our judo, our judo coach used to sort of get onto us a little bit and sort of say, stop using that Brazilian 
shit on my <laughs> students sort of thing, which was quite funny because, but he knew we did both. Yeah. And um, he did, you know what I mean, he accepted we did both and, and he knew what we were doing, mm. which was, he didn't like it sometimes because, yeah. but, but he could see the movement in the jiu-jitsu more to the judo. So that, that was quite good fun. And, 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 and combining the both of the sports was quite good fun. Yeah. Because, um, like I say, we got a lot of the throwing and um, takedowns from the judo side and then kind of mixed them up because obviously then we did a bit of wrestling as well to because you need to know all that side of, yeah. uh, of things. And then we, we would bring it back and we would work it together and then we would pass it on to kind of our students by then and things like that as things were growing and people were getting to know a bit more about jiu-jitsu and wanted to know a bit more about jiu-jitsu. So we were getting more people in to train with us, um, which was good fun. And we were in that transition period of stopping doing the taekwondo mm. and just then mainly focusing on the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So when did it... When did you transition from um, uh, student to teacher in jiu-jitsu? Um, do you know, I'm not really sure. It was kind of... Because I'm, I've always still trained. Mm. We've always kind of... What kind of worked as, as we were transitioning from... Um, Darren was always the one that kind of taught the classes. And he was the one that kind of, I, I was always still kind of in class. Um, and what used to kind of work for us was when we had new people coming in, like I said, at the time, there wasn't many women in jiu-jitsu, yeah. very, very little women. And so I had to train with all the guys. And what we used to do is all the new guys that came in would come with me. <gasps> And it used to be quite good fun because obviously my movement and um, keeping tight and being quite technical, um, a lot of the guys couldn't kind of handle that because yeah. they wanted to kind of muscle me and things like that. Um, and then basically, like I say, Darren was the main teacher and passing on. And I would think kind of just go around and help people that weren't doing maybe quite quite yeah. technical or quite right and just I I, I was basically um, I would go one to one yeah. and go around people and just and just alter the little things that were doing not right and things just refine the technique just refine that their technique it, I kind of took over the kids class wasn't it it was a kids class that I kind of started teaching um, more but what we did in the kids class was we were still teaching kicking and striking mm. and added the groundwork to it so they were still getting the the stand up they were still getting the striking side and then we then took takedowns and groundwork into it so i started teaching the kids so we would we'd probably been doing jujitsu a I would say maybe about five, four or five years before then I took over to do, teaching the kids. So I initially started then coaching the kids, the adults. That was kind, kind of Darren's 
and I would just refine people on a one-to-one as I would as I'd go round class. Um, and then, obviously, then I started doing a bit more in the adults' class, and then we stopped doing the kicking and striking altogether in the kids' class, and just the purely Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm. And then I started doing a ladies' class. So it was all over a period of years that this yeah. kind of it just evolved. Evolved. I can't exactly say this is when I started teaching yeah. and coaching. It was just that evolve, evolving of it all hmm. kind of thing. Even in classes now, um, Darren's still the main teacher in our classes. <laughs> Darren is sat right here yeah. as well. So people who are wondering, oh, Darren is still the main te- teacher, but what I tend to do, if I'm working with the guys and they're doing something not quite right, I'll say, right, you need to change this or you need to do that. So I'm, I still kind of do that in class. I join in. I, Darren um, is kind of, how can I say, Darren allows me to train. Mm. <laughs> Darren, Darren, I just want to be able to train. Mm. It's about the training for me. Yeah, I don't get into the politics of the jujitsu. I don't. Mm. I don't do any of the behind the scenes with anything. I don't go onto Facebook. I don't do any of the administrative stuff mm. because it don't interest me. That's Darren's domain. And Darren can keep it as far as I'm concerned. Darren allows me <laughs> to train. But obviously, I, I coach more now because I've got my ladies' only class that I do. Yeah. I, I do all the kids' classes. Darren has nothing really to do with my ladies' class. He has nothing to do with my kids' classes. They are solely what I do. Um, but still, administrative-wise, Darren mm. still deals with all that. Because even even in my ladies' class, it's like, I love it when it's an odd number. Because then I can join in. Yeah. I hate it when, they come, when my ladies' class does even numbers. Even with the kids. I roll with the kids. So it, it's like, I enjoy the aspect of teaching and coaching, but I like to be in the midst of it. I like mm. to be still rolling and fighting and doing everything with everybody and feeling what they're doing yeah it's like when i'm rolling with the girls i always just roll above them and and let them work especially yeah. if we've been doing certain technique i'll, I'll sort of lead them into yeah. where you're not there to steamroll no <laughs> now and again i'll do it yeah but it's it, it, they'll ask me oh will you go harder or will mm. you do it? right yeah of course i will yeah. um and, and like, especially one, one of my brown belt ladies, Kaz, who's down in Leicester. And uh, uh, we were at a seminar once. I was doing a seminar over in Manchester, raising funds um, for the femme fighters. It was, it was through all that. Yeah. And Kaz came to that, came up from Leicester. And like she said, she was getting ready for a competition and she said to me, Helen, will you, will you go 100% with me? And I said, of course I will, Kaz. Yeah, I'll go 100% with you. And we touched hands and went and I went boom. And it was kind of, <laughs> oh my God. And then we stood up and we You've went again. you back all this time. Yeah. And then we went, touched hands, boom, <clears throat> straight away. And then it was like, 
and then I, th I said right I'll s steady it down now and mm. the car's like kind of it was like the rabbit in the headlights yeah and I said that I don't do that unless my girls ask me because it's like why wh I'm not here to yeah. do that to people I'm here I want to give my knowledge to these yeah. people to the guys to the girls to the kids it's about them knowing what jiu-jitsu is about and about how to use your movement how to use your body how to mm. do what you need to do but like, i find the same thing like when i roll with the white belts at my class or the, like a lot, we have some uh, smaller girls as well so obviously i'm quite big and when they uh, pair with me I, i'm not gonna just plow through them so you want to match their level but just be a little just, bit more yeah. And that's not just for them, it's for you also. You get something out of that because you get to work on your technique and the precision of the yeah, technique exactly. rather than just focusing on, oh, I just need to balloon my way all the way through everything. Exactly, exactly. And, and like, that's how everyone learns rather than just one person going, I'm going to learn nothing through the whole thing and just push people away. It's like my, the ladies that I've got training with me now and there's, there's a young lad I've got training with me, Jake, Jake's, um, he, he started in the kids' class and he's progressed through to the adults and he helps me with the kids' classes and he's, he's like my little assistant and everything, Jake. And Jake is, he's, he's a good competitor. He's, a, he's been out at the moment through injury, but he's getting back in. But it's like, um, same with Jake, I'll let him work. Mm. I'll let him work, I'll let him do it. If, if he catches me and I can't get out, I tap. Yeah. Big deal. It, 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 it's a tap, but it don't mean anything, you know exactly. what I mean? And then, but then Jake will know when I've upped my game with them, mm. and, it, and he'll say, you went harder tonight, Helen, didn't you? I say, Just a bit, Jake, yeah. And, and, it, and it, but it's good for him because he's realising that as well. Yeah. He knows that I'm just, I'm letting him work his technique, I'm letting him do things. And if he catches me fair and square, mm. yeah. I haven't got a problem with tapping, <coughs> but then he'll know sometimes where mm. he knows I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to make him work even more, or I just smother him and do things, <laughs> to make him feel what it's like to be smothered, oh, yeah. to make him feel what it's like to have that pressure on you, but he knows, but well, the women know that as well. I would say you definitely need that, because um, when was it? I competed a lot last year, and um, I think it was around March where something happened at a competition. And then when I went back to training a couple of weeks after, I had to take some time out because uh, I think I twinged my back. I went back to class, but um, I started having panic attacks when I was on bottom or when I had someone on my back. And I could feel myself blacking out just from uh, them being on me. and. Um, I had to work with, uh, what he was a brown belt at the time, he's just recently got his black belt, um, Dan Lewis. He really helped me through like, handling the panic aspect of it. And like, I, I don't think you get that with a lot of other martial arts in that where you don't really go 100% unless you're in like a competition. But if it's striking, you don't have the same, um, there's no, not the same physicality. It's a very tactile sport. It's a mm. very, very tactile sport, and that's why a lot of women don't like it mm. because it is so. You are you are in a lot of um, 
compromising positions. Yeah. You're in a lot of positions that um, you, you do get suffocated, you do get, and and you have to learn. I had to learn very quickly, especially what yeah. fighting guys all the time. And if a big guy got on me, it would be just, okay, I'm safe. <laughs> I'm saying you had. I had to do it. I'm, I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm safe. And even I, I, it's like I say to my girls now. Even if I just got a little bit of space, yeah. get some breath. It's just, but it, it's calming yourself down. You're in a safe environment. You can always tap. Yes. People tap to pressure. People tap to being smoth, suffocated. It's part of jujitsu. And it's a part that we all go through and you all do get them stages where you kind of panic. Yes. And it's working through that, them stages of, and like I say, it, it's about just basically, I always say, as long as I keep everything in tight, I just get my head out slightly to just get a few breaths and everything. And then I'll stay there. I know I'm safe. Mm. Work it through my head. Then I'll wait to see what they're doing and then I'll make my big ballistic move or do whatever. But that is something, and, and, and I think with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that is why a lot of it, it's hard to get women into the sport because mm. of that aspect of things, yeah. because it is a very tactile sport. It's very it's very physical sport. Mm. You get banged all the time. The amount yeah. of times I've had my nose banged, I've had, I've had knees to the knees head, to the head <laughs> elbows, and it's like I'll say, when I'm teaching the kids, yeah, I watch them for an hour at a time. And then he's in jiu-jitsu, you got to learn. It, it don't matter, it goes off. It's a wee bit sore, but it's fine. Yeah. Keep going. And you do. And it's like when I'm rolling with the guys and I get a knee and they'll say, oh, I'm sorry. I'll say, won't be the first time, won't be the last. Get on with it. Yeah. But it's true. One thing that sports jiu-jitsu does prepare you for is uh, things like the dump of adrenaline that you get from uh, competitive uh, fighting or uh, basic engagement and just understanding how people react to high pressure situations differently yeah so um like that's always fascinated me and it's one of the things that i focused on a lot when i was competing last year like i always like i've had a lot of people staring at me for a long time so I've never really worried about the crowd I've always been able to just focus on my opponent and and I only ever really got nervous when you're stood at the edge of the mat waiting to be called on that's that's my nerve time that's where I pace back and forth but like prior to being stood there I'm calm like days before I'm calm as soon as I step on the mat I'm calm because I understand where I am and I, I know what I'm going to do roughly um but I always find it fascinating to feel the person either on top of me or underneath me and like a couple of times they've been shaking where they're nervous and like it's either their first competition or they're still not comfortable in that setting and all of that stuff fascinates me and how different yeah. people treat it yeah. uh, differently um what was I going to ask I was going to ask a question and I went off um so women in the sport No, it was, uh, there was something I wanted to speak about before that, but uh, there is a question that I did want to ask around, um, so obviously you said uh, you when you started training and 
probably throughout most of your uh, pre-black belt career, you didn't really have female training partners. So um, your, your skill base probably would have had to focus largely on technique over anything else. Technique and movement. Yes. Technique and <laughs> be having to move. You, mm. um, Like I say, I trained a lot. Well, I, pre- I trained predominantly with, with, with guys. Yeah. Of all shapes and sizes, didn't it, whoever was at the gym, I trained with. Mm. Um, it used to drive Darren crazy because uh, how he always he used to always say to me how I'd never got really hurt um, while I was training was unbelievable because I would just it, it didn't matter if the guy was not much bigger than me to the biggest guy in the gym I would I would just jump in and roll with anybody mm. and and basically it, it's kind of once again I had to have my movement mm. I had to be so technical I had to keep everything so tight so they couldn't get things on me mm. and I had to be patient yes patience you you have to I find like a lot of times in jiu-jitsu people are not patient and when you're a smaller person fighting a bigger pa- person, you have to be patient. Yeah. So I had to learn to kind of keep myself balled up so they couldn't have things. Um, but then as soon as I felt the move, then mm. that would be my, I'd get out of there. They'd give an inch and you take They'd, a mile. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and, it, and it's just once again... To me, mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu is all about feeling what your partner's doing. Mm. It, uh, excuse me. It's all about that movement aspect. So as soon as they lifted just a little bit off me, I would know then that's my chance. So I would take it. So it, it was about feeling um, what people, how, how they were on top of me, how they slightly moved, um, uh, I use my feet like hands. My feet are very hand-like, <laughs> and I will grab hold with my feet. Mm. I've I've had guys look down if to say, thinking it was my hands when it's been my feet <laughs> that's grabbed hold, and 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 the because I've had to learn to to mm. use my feet like a pair of hands, especially when you're fighting bigger people, mm. and it's like I'll put my feet in in places so I can feel that movement of that person. So then I know when they've moved, that's my yeah. chance to move. So um, I train in uh, Milton Keynes at RGA Bucks, but we have uh, RGA Bucks headquarters in Aylesbury. And um, there's a girl there who's a little bit smaller than you, who does exactly the same thing. Her name's Lizzie Jeffries, and she's literally one of the most amazing people I know. She's so small, but uh, I've never seen her turn down a fight with anyone. and. Uh, literally exactly all of the things that you've just said she'll use her hands and feet uh, just as hands and she'll get in any space that you create for her she'll do anything and it's they they always say jujitsu is about fighting off your back jujitsu is about fighting off your side yeah you've got to get onto your side you've got to create space and it's about i learned a long time ago about framing Mm. I can't move a bigger person. I'm not going to even attempt to move a bigger person. No. One, I'm using too much energy, mm. and two, it's not just going to—it's not going to happen. 
So framing for me made a big difference in my game. So it's basically, I will get my frame in and I move myself. Mm. Why, why am I going to try and move a big person when it's just not going to happen? So you've got to, you've got to get that frame in and you move yourself. If I get my frame in, I'm off. I ain't <laughs> staying there. If they're not pinning me down, I am not going to stay there. Yeah. So, and that's where your movement comes into everything in jiu-jitsu. You've got to be move. You've got, it helps I'm flexible. Mm. Um, it helps that it doesn't matter if I've, I've got my knees around my ears, I can still move. Yeah. I can still do something because I've been used to moving in those kind of positions all the time because they're the kind of positions that you're going to be put in. People yeah. are going to stack you and things like that because that's jujitsu. Yeah. So you, it's about learning to move while you're still in those positions mm. and you've got to use everything. Yeah. Hands, feet, head. Head is very important as well. And a lot of people forget about the head, mm. but I'll pressure with my head as much as I pressure with everything else. So it's yeah, about I pressure with my face where they throw me forward and I hit it on the mat. <laughs> <laughs> so it's about using your whole body, and it's about using your whole body as as a whole, mm. because a lot of the times you see people pushing like this. You don't get any force when you push with just your arm out. Mm. I need to do use my whole body. So it's about learning to keep everything in tight, your arm, arms at your sides, pushing away with your whole body. Mm. It's about learning body mechanics. Body mechanics for me made a big difference mm. and about using the force of your body with to help you to get out of situations and to help you get out of bad situations, especially when you've got big people on top of you. Yeah. So, it, like I said, framing and moving made a big difference to my game. And I learned that on very quickly. Like this girl probably in your yeah. um, club, she'll know. She can't let big people on top of her. No. You let big people on top of you, you're in for a hard roll. You're in for a hard day of getting them off so. you. But um, her fa one of her favourite... Um finishes is the baseball bat choke from side and it's it's severe yeah. <laughs> as soon as you feel like going for your uh your lapel you're like oh no oh no keep that where it is please <laughs> take yeah. whatever you yeah. want just don't yeah. do that to me that, again that's it and it, it's like i i i still play um i do a, I, I, I don't play a lot of closed guard as much as i used to do when i was mm. first because you evolve yeah. and um, your game evolves, your game, and I find my game changes with whoever I'm rolling with, Yeah. because different people give you different energies, and I, I find when I roll with somebody for the first time, I just go to feel their energy, mm. I just go to feel where they're moving and what they're, and what they're doing and where they're going. And then, but then in the second time I roll with them, I roll completely <laughs> different because I felt what they're doing. Yeah. I felt the movement. I do a lot where I roll with my eyes closed. Mm. So I'm feeling that energy. I'm feeling what the person's doing. I'm feeling where they're going. Um, I know where they're going before they even kind of know because I've not got these. Yeah. It's all about, it, it, it does two things for me. 
it makes me more aware of their what they're doing but it also makes me stay close to them mm. because obviously if I'm not got my eyes yeah I need to have something on top on contact with them so I've either got a foot on them I've got a hand on them I've got the, my head on them I've always got some point of contact with them and I find rolling with my eyes closed it just makes you feel the movements better mm. obviously that's very difficult at white belt or blue belt but like as you progress and the especially if you're in a like a safer environment with uh, people that you trust to yeah. train with like it can be easier to implement i i assume um i figured out what i was going to say earlier as well so when i was talking about how sports jiu-jitsu doesn't have a uh, street application it's exactly what darren said and i completely dismissed him and i shouldn't have <laughs> um so a lot of what the sports jiu-jitsu does teach people as well is so one thing that a lot of people say to me when they have seen jiu-jitsu for the first time is the positions are awfully sexual and for women in jiu-jitsu they are likely to be the situations that they will be compromised in if it were to happen in the street so um or it may also prevent people from wanting to start because it will trigger a ptsd scenario where they've experienced it before and it's something that they want to address um like where you said you don't really fight off your back in jiu-jitsu like you're fighting off your sides like for a lot of people women especially the back is where they feel most vulnerable and it's where you are kind of most vulnerable Ooh. and i've found that jiu-jitsu is kind of the best remedy at least that i found for that fear i totally agree i i think all women should know or do some type of of brazilian jiu-jitsu especially for self-protection mm. because um i have done lady self-protection classes in the past and a lot of the time if a man wants you that's where you're going to end up is on your back yeah and um i have kind of taught triangles and and for women to get into that position and things because i do think self-protection wise i think brazilian jiu-jitsu is one of them things i find that i would feel comfortable in essence of being able to get out of something because mm. of my movement knowing how to move knowing yeah. how to um got off my back and move and, and and even just how to get up from being on my back yes getting up from being on your back is a big big thing in jiu-jitsu and um and i think ladies learning that would be would help them immensely a lot of people say that there's no practical application for sports jiu-jitsu and i want to speak to you a bit more about that a little bit later on but um, i agree wholeheartedly so when people come to my gym to roll with us like uh, Hayley runs a women's club or they'll look at my size and think that there's a, a disparity between the two of us anyway but um like you say what I 
if I'm rolling with someone for the first time, I will play bottom and I will feel them out and see what they do because like I like you said before your your game's going to evolve constantly as your uh, thing so when I got my blue belt I was very uh, caught up in not wanting to fight the same way as I had a white belt it was very good for what I was doing then but now there's there's supposed to be a jumping skill level so I want to be able to improve my position the one thing that I've wanted to focus on is uh, from my back because a lot of my uh, competitive career I focused on being on top and getting on top first okay. so that I could do that but now I feel like, like I've neglected the defense from my back so I automatically go to that position unless someone's uh, they don't want to take the, the jump and uh, go on top at the beginning and um, like it is I haven't done any rolling with my eyes closed but I, I do fully understand what you mean where you have contact with the person you can feel like where they want to go and like how they're going to move but um, I find that more with uh, butterfly hooks than anything because like a lot of people just roll from their knees they don't really well especially where I am they don't stand up unless they're higher belts and it's, it's a bit weird oh, right. That might be completely wrong. That should be uh, a few people that I've rolled with, but I focused on it. But um, it was definitely something that I had a problem with because we had. Um, I'm going to completely forget her name now. We had a lady come over from um, America. She's moved to Cambridge with her partner uh, recently, and when I after I rolled with her, I asked her if there was anything I was doing that I could improve, and she was like, "You don't stand up, right?" All you have to do is disengage and then you can go right back in but you just stayed on your knees and like that i'd built something up in my head that said we're rolling from the knees i stay on my knees it's it's funny you say that chloe because um i find in in britain mm. uh, in the united kingdom sort of thing a lot of people have that kind of mentality you're fighting from your knees mm. Um, I think it's changing yeah. gradually, but we we always have encouraged, if they're not holding you down, why are you staying on the floor? Yeah. Why, why would you stay there if they're not pinning you there or they're not keeping you there? We, we always kind of teach, stand back up. Yeah. Get up. <laughs> Disengage. Yeah. It, and, it, and it's like, once again, sometimes I think what people think is because cause you're on your knees, you've just got to go forward. Mm. You've just, it, it, you're already there, you've just got to keep going forward. But whereas we say, sometimes disengaging and going back in, it kind of throws that person off because they don't expect you to stand mm. up, move out and then come back in. All you're doing is making it easier for you to pass somebody's guard or yeah. or um, do what you want to do or control them that bit better and things like that. So we've always call, always kind of encouraged people to stand back up, mm. get out of there. If, you, if you're not getting success yeah. with what you're doing, get out and then come back, reassess and come back in. Yeah, I just add something to that point, which I think something that obviously we've been very fortunate to have like with trainers how to 
who um, who wrestle, training in the light platform, and the SPG guys back in the day will always encourage a lot of Kingston wrestling. I think um, the kind of style of jiu-jitsu that we were taught from those guys, it's like an American-Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. That was Brazilian jiu-jitsu how they learned it, plus it had the American wrestling aspect to it. Yes. So, and I, and I think obviously the wrestlers know that if the if the if if it's not right, if it doesn't feel right, don't force something, disengage, reset, and start again. I think that's one of the main differences that we have in our style. I think is because it's American Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Probably because we. So. Yeah. We didn't train with an awful lot of Brazilians, did we? No. I, I preferred the. We've always the trained American with style. with the Americans well. and things like that. Like um, say, like Houghton and Matt Thornton and those guys, they always made us wrestle even though yeah. we didn't want to. Yeah, it did. So, and, and it's like, I, I, I predominantly do gi. I prefer gi, mm. but I can do no gi. Yeah. And, and I think you need both. I do think it complements one another. Yes. Um, and and like I say, I, I, I go crazy with 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 my kids and my my women. What are you on your back for? Mm. Why why have, why have you gone on your back? Nobody's put you there. Yeah. What are you doing? Get up. <laughs> so it, it, it it's kind of, but I do think that's the kind of element that when the Brazilians first came over mm. to England and Britain and everything, it was all done from knees. Mm. And and I think it's it is gradually changing and you can see it when you're out there watching competition yeah. and things. It is gradually changing, but it's still not quite there yet. No. Do you think that's because uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is becoming a little more synonymous uh, with MMA um, yes that type of thing. yeah I think I think when people talk about Brazilian jiu-jitsu they always combine it with MMA mm. and 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 I think people come into Brazilian jiu-jitsu because they've watched the MMA first of all mm. not always but I think there is that element yeah. of MMA um, there's a curiosity around it yeah um, because you know what I mean boxing kicking striking all those kind of fighting techniques have been around for a long time but your Brazilian jiu-jitsu hasn't mm. and I still think there is that curiosity and with MMA um, when when the MMA the UFC came on the scene and everything, and you even see you even watch the UFC. We've watched the UFC since it started, and we still watch the UFC. And um, I still like to watch the girls fight, and I still like to watch what they're doing on the ground and things like that. But it's it's kind of because of the UFC, I think it's put Brazilian Jiu Jitsu on the map, mm. especially in the United Kingdom. And I think it was the UFC and the MMA that brought it to everybody's attention to start yeah. with. It and gave it a much bigger audience. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and it's like, we do watch 
Brazilian jiu-jitsu matches on their own, but ain't they boring? <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it is, I would say it depends on the fighter. Yes, it does depend on the fighter. But if you've got two skill people yes. who are very much, no, I mean we've 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 been to Barcelona, we've been to Nottingham, we've been to, we've been to the ADCC and watched mm. all these big competitions, and you sit there and you think, oh God, is that it again? Mm. And they're just especially if they have the same kind of fighting style. Like I've I find that the fights I enjoy the most are when. Uh, you see people with two clearly distinctive, um, different styles of jujitsu. Like one person will uh, favor their back, or one person will favor their passing, and yeah. like that's when things get really exciting. But if you've got two people who play guard, then you're in for a boring day of yeah. a single advantage win. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I can remember we went to Barcelona, and it was Cabrinha and Mendes in the final. And oh my god, that was it was amazing to watch these two guys trying to just not I mean I think that match went on was it fifty five minutes or something? <laughs> fifty five minutes this match went on for but you were on the edge of your seat constantly because yeah, they're very similar games but it was just everything just so precise and it can be exciting like that but that's very rare. Yeah. It is very rare. Whereas if you watch the UFC and you watch the MMA, you can see why that's hooked people more. Yeah. And then they want to know a bit more about the groundwork and, and it's got the curiosity. Mm. So I can understand why Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has been slow to the uptake rather than the MMA. Mm. Um, but like I say, you do, that I mean... There's some competitors out there that are absolutely amazing in what they can do. Like the Mendes brothers, you know what I mean? Their skill level is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Cabrinha, I've always been a big fan of Cabrinha. And we actually had the pleasure of going to a seminar with Cabrinha a few years ago. And that guy was so humble, you know what I mean? He was saying, my skill level's here, he said, and I want it to be up here. And we're all sat there thinking... Your skill level's there, don't you mean? Your skill level's way up here, you know what I mean? But he was still so humble and and his knowledge and he, and, mm. and once again, just knowing how he slightly tilt the body this way or tilt the body that way, knowing that was amazing. And to feel I had a good a role with him and everything, it was just amazing to feel the difference and the skill levels and things like that. Like I do find a lot of people say that uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a douchebag filter and I don't know if I wholeheartedly agree with that like phrasing. Um, yes, it's a very hard sport and if you're only in it for a belt or if you're only in it for glory, you're going to have a very bad time. You're not going to survive in the sport. So you do tend to find that people of the higher levels are either very humble or they're very determined and um, I find that very fascinating like I've never witnessed a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter who has the same uh, how can I describe it 
I don't know, the same level of confidence as um, Steven Seagal uh, an Aikido um, demonstration. So I saw a video a few uh, a few days ago of um, Steven Seagal, like even now, like big pudgy Steven Seagal walking out onto the mat, and like he was so full of himself that it's just like, yep, tap a person, they fly to the floor, tap a person, fly to the floor. But like I've never seen that in like the highest levels of jujitsu. I've seen people who are they try to give off an intimidating presence. I've also seen um, people who are a bit cocky, like you have your, uh, is it AJ Agazam? He's very, like, very loud, but that's, I find that's all for uh, image and to get bookings and things yeah, like that. So definitely, because his skill level is phenomenal. Yeah, yes, but you don't have anyone who has that level of confidence in the sport because, like, any given day, anyone can lose exactly and there's no definitives <laughs> i i find uh, the people the top people that we've met in in brazilian jiu-jitsu like your cabrinha like your langi these guys have got kind of they've got nothing to prove yeah sort of thing um i found cabrinha very very humble for, for the guy, for the level that that guy is at, how humble he was. It, it, it was very nice to see. He didn't have an attitude about him. He didn't mm. have... He just wanted to be the best that he could be. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I think your top-level people like that, it's about them. They want to progress. They want to be able to do what they've set out to do. Yeah. And I think the focus is kind of different. Mm. Like, like we always said, when you when you train martial arts, it doesn't particularly build your true character. It like reveals your true character. Yeah. You say train yeah. martial arts, you know, and it, you're going to improve yourself. You're going to build yourself. And I found that in a lot of cases, it just reveals who you really are, rather than improving you to be something else. Mm. If you see what I mean, mm. you can really find that. I think in competition as well, you know, when there's other things at stake, there's titles and medals and that, competition can really reveal someone's true character yeah. rather than building mm. that Yeah, and, 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 I, and I think that basically there is a lot of people out there who are good at what they do mm. in the Brazilian side and, in, and it's not about the glory of it. No. It's about their journey and about mm. what they they want to accomplish and things like that. Um, and like I've said to you before, I've met some absolutely fantastic people in jiu-jitsu and all martial arts, mm. but I've met some <laughs> weird and wonderful people in jiu-jitsu and martial arts as well. So it's that, there's, there's that spectrum. Yeah. But that's, I think that's just life in general. There's that spectrum of, people who you meet through your life of course um but there is some weird and wonderful <laughs> and um a lot of people tend to so if they're paired with me at the end for honor and they're smaller or something like they'll either look at my blue belt and say oh no like that's gonna be uh tough so as you progressed through your belt did you keep the same instructor all the way through? I think you said at the beginning that yeah, Chris, Chris Hoyle was your... Chris. So did you receive all of your belts from Chris? From Chris. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm Chris. <laughs> I thought it was going to be different. No. That's awesome. No. Um, so, how, like, in the early days, was there a kind of a grading process that you went through? Or is it more a case of, as it is now, where the instructor just kind of assesses your level as you're going through and just says, I believe you're ready for the belt? Yeah, Chris, Chris basically, like I say, we, we when we got got in with Chris and that and we started bringing Chris over mm. um, he used to come over like twice a year and things like that and then we'd go over to the States so like Chris was watching us all the time and, and monitoring what we were doing and everything all the time that way so and I got to roll quite a lot with Chris and um, things like that so he he kind of just would decide right yeah Helen's ready for the next bell or whatever. Like I say, I didn't always know, I, well, I never knew at all when I was going to yeah. get my belts and things like that. And like, like I say, the <laughs> belt situation, that was, that was, we'd gone over to the States and once again, I just went over, because at that time, I didn't train with many women. It was yeah. all um, predominantly guys. I think around about that time there was only really Cheryl who trained with me. Who was that? Cheryl was a girl who had a, a MMA fight and was quite. Um, Cheryl came from a striking background, didn't know any jits. I came from a striking background, but had a bit of jits. I think um, and Cheryl we had an MMA fight and I just took her down and tapped her out and so many minutes and things and it was kind of what happens there and I'll give the girl a juice she then started coming to train with me and wanted to learn a bit more so I had Cheryl now and again um, to train with and everything and then but obviously when I went over from a brown belt to America like I say, I didn't know I was going for my brown belt. I was going to train. Chris had arranged to go down to the Machado Academy because that's mm. where Chris trained and where Chris taught. Yeah. And um, he'd arranged for me to go. Cindy was the first female black belt mm. in America and she trained at the Machados. So we went down and there was Cindy, Felicia O. There was two other purple belts and another um, blue belt. And we just rolled for two hours solid. And I have never, I was, like I say, I was, I didn't know which part of my body didn't ache after that session. And to top it off, I rolled with Chris at the end. And as Chris was rolling with me, he took my purple belt off and put me a brown belt on. And oh. when I stood up, everybody just cheered and everything, which was awesome. Um, so, yeah, um, Chris, Chris sort of just kind of decided when, as when he was coming over and watching me progress and he would give us things to work on and stuff like that. And then he'd come over and, and he'd, 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 he'd evaluate us and things like that. So, yeah, Chris just decided. There was no kind of, um, I want you to do this and this. It was, he, was, he, would, he would tell us stuff that he thought we needed and things like that. And then he'd, mm. we'd work on things and then he'd, he'd, he'd reevaluate things. And so, yeah, I got all my belts from Chris. Awesome. And so you were over in the States when you got your brown belt, but you were also there because you were getting married. Yes. <laughs> was that a week later? It was um, a week later I was getting married after I got my brown belt. Um, it took a few a few half week to, for things to heal, bruises and grazes on faces <laughs> and um, 
from the yeast and things like that. So, and it gave my body time to heal as well because uh, after that session, after two hours of constant rolling and just fighting and fighting for your life with two black belts at the time and things like that as well, as well as Chris, three black belts, it was kind of, oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> so, good fun, but... <laughs> And, and also, I think it helped me when I got my brown belt. It made me realise I was kind of on the right lines yeah. because I could go over to the States and I did hold my own with these other yeah. girls who had, like, um, a, a lot of good coaching and mm. stuff. So they had the constant lifeline to yeah, Chris, and, to Chris all the and all the other, there. yeah. So it was kind of nice because it made me and, me and Darren feel, yeah, we are doing things right. We, we are getting somewhere. We... Because, like I say, we still, even though we had Chris, it was still we were pretty much on our own as well. Yeah. And and try to suss out and work out things for ourselves. And um, we always had Chris there that we could turn to, but we it it was kind of still we we were still kind of okay. I didn't have many women. I had to learn a lot from fighting with the guys and rolling with the guys. Um, but I felt good that I could hold my own with these these women, so it was that that was that was a really good aspect of that experience of when I got my brown belt. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so as you progressed through the belts, like how would you how would you define each of the belts um, as they are to an individual? Like, how would you say that people should approach them as they, as they are either coming up or as they um, are promoted through their club? The funny thing is, the only belt that I can honestly put my hand on my heart and say that really meant the most to me was my blue belt. Because we didn't get into jiu-jitsu chasing belts. No. Um, we got into jiu-jitsu because it was kind of a bit of an eye-opener to us and um, and we wanted to learn more, we wanted to know more about this fighting system. So belts was way down the line mm. of things. But then obviously as we were training more and we were doing more and things, I used to always think, I just want my blue belt. Just mm. to achieve getting that blue <laughs> belt meant more than anything else. Because, because of how we had to go about yeah. getting learning more and doing more and and experience jujitsu and things like that, <coughs> and when I got my blue belt, I don't think I've ever felt like that before about any belt in any of my other martial arts. Not I mean doing my taekwondo, you had that instructional all the time. <laughs> it was good, even in judo. Same again, getting the belts through judo and stuff like that. But getting that blue belt in jiu-jitsu was, God, look what I've accomplished. Yeah. There is there is not much out there, but we've still been able to get to this point. And then, obviously, you get your blue belt. We got our blue belt, and that was our foundation. Now, to me, getting my blue belt, it was because I could fight off my back I yeah. could fight in guard I knew what to do I knew how what I had to do and things and then as you progress it, it's 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 just building blocks okay mm. I know how to fight off my back now or off my side 
Now I need to learn to get on top and stay on top. Mm. So then it was that progression, right, okay. And then when I got to that point, where, so you've got your blue belt where it's about guard and everything about guard and defending and fighting. Then purple belt, it's about being able to get on top, staying on top and using both guard and on top. Mm. Then getting to brown belt, it was kind of keeping them all together, but then adding submissions and um, learning about the movement, like like we talked about before, transitional things. Because when somebody's passing my guard, that's the best time for me to sweep. Yeah. When somebody's trying to sweep me, that's the best time to pass their guard. So it was then putting everything together and getting those little intricacies mm. right and the timing right. And then getting to black belt, it's when you've got the whole yeah. of that but still learning because there's still so much more to learn getting to black belt to me is your foundation yeah we we still continue to go to seminars when they were out there we can still continue to train and look at other things and even if we went to a seminar and you took a two little things mm. slight movement this way or right that's not working because i just haven't moved my body quite right this way taking those little details just make that difference. So I think it's like progressing through mm. the belts that way and it's just about putting everything together. That's how I felt it was. Mm. But to be fair, Chloe, I wouldn't have really bothered about it. I just wanted my blue belt. My blue belt <laughs> meant everything to me because we'd accomplished <laughs> getting there when it was so hard because there was nothing out there. Yeah, and like especially in the UK, I know it didn't come over till uh, late on. Like you had some of the early adopters, but like it did it start in Birmingham when it came over. Like when you had some of the Brazilians, like did Mauricio come over to Birmingham first, and then they moved to London? And yeah, because there was there was we had a, quite a good um, relationship with Rachel and all them from Birmingham, didn't mm -hmm. they? Um, because there was there was Rachel in in Birmingham at the time. I think I Rachel. I think we were both blue belts together, weren't we? Um, and Rachel was good, and she trained in Birmingham and everything like that. So once again, we were miles apart. Yeah. Um, so Rachel probably went through a lot of the same as what I did yeah. down there in Birmingham. And then I got we got to, I got to train with Rachel one time when she came up to Doncaster. We had um, who was it we had to come up to a seminar for us when Rachel came up? Roger Brooking, maybe. Yeah, it was Roger. Yeah. Um, and and I, and I got to do a bit with Rachel and everything, and it was just so nice to feel this woman instead of <laughs> men, and and. The, the one thing that I noticed about when I was rolling, it was her movement. Mm. It was this big ballistic moving out and they're hipping, 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 hipping. Whereas the guys don't do that because the guys rely on their strength when they first yeah. start jujitsu. And yeah, I don't want to say it because it's true. <laughs> don't look so <laughs> Whereas women haven't got that to rely on. Yes. You've got to get your movement 
mm. and it's all about your movement. And I, I'll always remember that way um, Jean Machado once came over and we were in a seminar, uh, Jean Machado, and this seminar, there was we were in this big sports centre, weren't we? And once again, John was going through round everybody and went through everybody, and he stood up in the middle and he said, right, guys, all I'm going to say to you now, out of everybody in this room, and there must have been about, what, 50, 60 people in, in this room, all, all disciplines once again, he said, this young lady here has got the best jiu-jitsu out of you all. <laughs> out of all you big guys, out of all you, because her movement. And I'm now when you sat there and you think, oh my God, I'm going to get, I'm going to get absolutely stuffed here, sort of thing, and and it was just so funny because he said, out of you all, this young lady's got the best jujitsu out of you all. No, and and now now you, I I was so chuffed because he noticed my movement and he noticed, but at the other hand, I thought, mm. Mm-hmm. don't don't don't, don't yeah exactly. <laughs> so, but it but it was. You know what I mean? And <coughs> we've had lots of things like that. Mm-hmm. Chris, when Chris first met us as well, and like we'd go over and train with Chris in America, and he used to say, why do you guys not come and live over here? Yeah. Why do you guys not come over? Because we've got a family and we've got kids <laughs> and we've got things over in, in England. It's not that easy, Chris. Why don't no, you come over to us? The, yeah, and things. <laughs> and, he, and he used to always say, Chris always said, Helen, I could make a world champion. He says to Darren, Darren, you'll always be average. <laughs> he said, but Helen, I could make a world champion. In the terms of just that it's not a <laughs> And he, he said, just give me, give me her for a year. Just let her come for a year. But obviously, life is not that yeah. easy and it's not that simple. We would have loved to have. I always say... If I had my time over again, I wouldn't have kids. I wouldn't do this. I would go, I'd be, I'd do jiu-jitsu. I'd be all over the world, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's true, you know what I mean? But don't get me wrong, I love my kids to bits and we do loads with, with our kids and things like that. But if I had my time again, I am so envious of what's out there now for you girls. Yes. Yous have got so much out there now. Um, it's like uh, in the UFC when mm. they did the house for the women. I'd have given my right arm, Chloe, to be there. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it just came too late for me. Yeah. It just came way too late for... For a lot of people. For a lot of people who were out there at the beginning. We just didn't have... No, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've competed in mm. in everything I've I've trained in, I've competed in Taekwondo, I've competed in judo. You're be my next question. Yeah. <laughs> I've competed in Taekwondo, I've competed in judo, sport jiu jitsu, because you gotta remember at the time I was doing jiu jitsu there wasn't much jiu jitsu yeah. competitions out there. So but the sports jiu jitsu was there. So mm. I did the sports jiu jitsu, which is your kicking your striking, your takedowns, and your groundwork. So I did that, mm. and um, you know what I mean. That's what what my only kind of path was yeah. to go and do competing that way. Um, so that's what I did. 
So everything I've ever trained in, I've competed in. And, and then obviously, then when the jiu-jitsu started coming, I was, I'd had an injury with my back. Um, I can empathise there. Um, and I basically, my sacral iliac joint popped out. Um, and I was out, of, I was out of training for a year because of that. Oh, shit. And, and I wasn't really sure whether I was going to get back in. Mm. Um, and be able to do what I, I had done in the past, but through um, a lot of hard work and rehab and everything like that, I did, mm. and I have been able to get back in and do, and train, and I've had a lot of injuries. You know what I mean? But and that's why now probably I'm I'm more on the coaching teaching yeah. side and want to give like my guys the gals the kids as much it's like I, um, I'm out there in, in competitions with my girls I mm. take we go around competitions they're doing brilliant the kids are doing good our guys are good doing good that means more to us now yeah. you know what I mean because now you're like proud parents yeah <laughs> we are because it's like we're, we're giving our knowledge to these people Mm. We want them. There's so much more opportunities for them now. Go out there and do it, and yeah. and, and and we we love seeing that and seeing what they're doing out there. What our guys and representing combat base. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, I know I get like little, um, like spatterings of pride when like I show someone, uh, like how I do a technique or um something that I think they can fix. Then I see them catch it on someone else. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Showed them that. Yeah, and that's then, it. But like for you guys, like <coughs> seeing people that you've actually trained from the start, uh, going out competing and winning and uh, like just performing really well, like I can't imagine how great that must make you guys feel. It, and and it, it, it's absolutely awesome. Uh, to, to, like we, we were in Naga a couple of weeks ago. Mm. I went with the girls. Some of the girls were competing. I was supposed and to be there. there. <laughs> and, you know... And just seeing them going out and doing their stuff is, is awesome. Mm. And 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 it's like when they lose, I'll just say it's experience. It, it's all experience. Let's let's see what what you mm. didn't quite get right. Let's and we come back and we work it and things because competing is completely different to training in your gym. Very much so. And I always put that across to the girls, to the guys, to the kids competing you've got somebody who's uh, stood in front of you who wants to rip your head off and it's completely <laughs> different and it's your adrenaline mm. it's how you control your adrenaline it's how you the, we all get that adrenaline dump but yeah. what i always say is the person across for you has got it too mm. so it's how you control it yourself not I mean when i competed like i say i've competed in everything I didn't, I was more, I didn't go out with a game plan as such. Mm. I used to go out and say, I'll see what happens. Yeah. I'll see what they do. Because <laughs> that's where me and Darren completely differed yeah. in when we, we were fighting. Because I would, as long as I warmed up, I found, mm. I can remember I was competing up in Carlisle um, at the Sports Jiu-Jitsu one time. And... Um, 
competing up there and was watching everything still from from afar but doing lots of stretching, getting my body ready and warming up and it's the best I ever felt. Mm. Went out onto the mat, did my thing, one, wow. And it was funny, the ref put my hand up and he sort of said to me, I wouldn't like to meet you in a dark alley. <laughs> and I, no, I mean, it's just... I would like to be someone. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just looked on it and, it and it was just because I was so focused, so because I'd taken myself, I was watching, getting warmed and everything like mm. that. And it was this great feeling. I'd, I'd sort of got my adrenaline levels low. I'd, I sort of think, just go out and do what you do. Just go yeah. out and treat it as a hard training session with people that you yeah. you don't train with usually. Go out and see what happens. That's the advice I give to people at my gym when they're talking about competing. It's like, it shouldn't feel any different to training with the people that you are. And like Even when we do competition sparring in uh, Aylesbury, like I haven't been for a while, but... Um, the guy who ran it he'd always say this is always going to be harder than any competition you'll go to because it's going to be an hour and a half of just sparring and hard sparring with people uh like one two three belts above you and everyone has different uh styles everyone has a different mm. game plan and we always start from the feet and like you're going to be so tired at the end of those like 10 15 fights that's a lot harder than uh, you're going to work at a competition but a competition is going to feel like you're working a lot harder because you have to deal with the adrenaline that comes with it yeah. and, um, and it's that nervous energy as well mm. when you're in competition uh, and I used to find that that nervous energy was the worst trying to control and, and just, just settle down settle down mm. um, and I think sometimes that's what gets people when they go to compete it's that nervous nervousness and that nervous energy and and sort of they go out and take a while to come round after that first fight but usually when you've got that first fight out of the way you're yeah. ready for your second fight unfortunately if you've been knocked out it's no good <laughs> you know what i mean but yeah it's it, it is it's about learning to control your emotions just look at what I'll say to the girls. Go out and enjoy yourself. Mm. Go out and see what you can do. Go out and just enjoy yourself. Yeah. I say that to the kids all the time. Go out and enjoy yourself. Yeah, like local competition isn't the world's. You're not winning Europeans. Like it should. Like most people do the sport recreationally. Yeah. So it should be enjoyable. It should be fun. And you shouldn't be placing this massive weight on your chest and just go. Oh, everyone's watching me. Uh, people even, are going to be disappointed. Even if it is the Europeans and the Mondials, yeah. I still, I, I think, outside of that sport, who really knows? Who yeah. really cares? Exactly. You know what I mean? They don't. People don't. You know what I mean? Like, we've had people say, can I just... Yeah, sure. I'm world champion and we looked at him we said which one <laughs> and we just said but who knows you're world champion you're world champion in that little minority yeah of people who who train that sport it's the same with the mondials it's the same with the europeans people outside of jiu-jitsu mm. don't give a monkeys <laughs> if that person's world champion 
because it don't mean anything to them. It only means something in our world. Yeah. So once again, why put all that pressure on yourself? Because it only means to that 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 few people who actually understand the sport and who are in the sport outside of the sport. Does it really care? Does it really matter? Mm. No, you're yeah. still that same person. You still got to go to work on Monday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's it. You've that means more I've gone to work in Santa <coughs> and I've had black eyes and I've had, you know, I mean, you can imagine, and I'm dealing with the public and things. Yeah. And my colleagues will say, don't you think it's about time you pack that in, Helen? You know what I mean? And I'd say, why? Why would yeah. I want to pack it? Well, look, you've got another black eye or you've got this or you've got that. I'll say, is it harming you? Yeah. And they'll say, well, no. I'll say, well, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm doing what I enjoy. And I'll, and I, I'll say to them, look at you. And look at me, who's the fittest of us? <laughs> I said, this keeps me fit, this keeps me in shape. So why wouldn't I want yeah. to do it? It keeps me happy. Exactly. More than anything. Yeah. Like, I had to take a, a three-month three hiatus after I had um, a surgery in a couple of years ago now. And, like, those three months were murder. I can only imagine what you had to go through for a year. Oh, it was horrendous. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, we started doing stick fighting. <laughs> now I said, we'll do something. He was still training jiu-jitsu and everything. And, and we, we, we started doing a bit of stick fighting and things like that because I could still sort of move and use this and um, doing the stick fighting. And I still used to go all round with him when he was going to stuff. And I'll never forget, we went to, um, oh God, what's he called? Thing with Young, Rick Young seminar over in Hull once again. <laughs> and I, went, I was there, and I'm thinking, oh, I can't join anything. And I'd sat, I'd sat and watched for <laughs> probably about half an hour, and that, you know when you're getting more and more annoyed because you mm. can't join in. And I, went, I went out for a walk, so I, I said to Dan, I'm going for a walk. And I went out, and I'm, 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 I'm out in the middle of nowhere, walking these little um, roads and everything, and I'm thinking, I think I better go back. I'm not really quite sure where I am, but I had to get out because it was driving me crazy because I'm watching him train and yeah. I couldn't do it. So, and the other thing that we, we did a little bit of was leg locks and mm. foot locks and things like that at that time. He says, well, just work on them. It's not doing, you're not moving as much and you're not doing this and that. Because I've never been one for knee bars, foot locks, yeah. ankles. It, it's never interested. Darren loves that type of thing. Never really interested me. If somebody gives me it as a present, I'll take it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not going a to throw it away. Gift. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I wouldn't go looking for them. Mm. And um, and with everybody going for leg locks and things like now, like I will do a bit more now with going yeah. for feet. And, and, and I find going for bigger people's, feet and legs it puts them on the defensive so mm. I tend to when I am fighting bigger people I will attack the legs more because it puts them on that defensive so yeah being out for that period of time it was tough um, but it's what I needed to do at that time because I do I think if I hadn't have taken that time out Chloe I probably wouldn't have got back into the jiu-jitsu mm. and things like that so I have to be very careful yeah like one thing I do notice is um like it's very easy for this sport to become like kind of like an addiction oh and, like, definitely there 
it's not like there aren't injuries in jiu-jitsu because there's loads of injuries mm-hmm. in jiu-jitsu and um one thing that i find is people tend to just come back a little bit sooner than they should just because they want to get back into it and stuff then they go a little harder and then they put themselves out for longer and it's just yeah no i mean <laughs> i've i've been i've done that i won't lie to I you i think we all I've, have no, i mean <laughs> i've had back injuries i've ruptured both athletes tendons um i still trained all the way through i was in pot for 12 weeks with one and 13 weeks with the other and I still trained with my pot on. I still taught my kids' classes with my pots on. I even went to seminars with my pot on. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you just think, crazy. <laughs> but my my look on, my take on it was, well, it's isolated in my pot. I can't damage it or hurt it anymore. Yeah. So what I used to do was I'd keep my that leg out of the way. So it made me work on one side. Yeah. Because... So it did help in a sense because I would. Yeah, you're focused of, on uh, yeah, other, other things. Other areas and other things I had to do and things like that. And I would. Obviously, I didn't want to hurt anybody. No. Va- whacking them with my pot. So I would just <laughs> keep that leg out of the way and things like that. And then I found, obviously, then I would. The, w- the one thing I've found with the injuries I've had, you know what I mean? I've had, like I say, I've, I've ruptured both Achilles tendons. Um, I've my sacral iliac joint popped out i've had an operation for that um dislocated shoulders dislocated hips knee problems you name it it's it's happened but and i've found out of all of it i've learned to rehab properly Mm. and take that time to rehab and then come back in or what i've done is like i had a tearing my cartilage last year um, and once again I still trained mm. but I just didn't use that leg once again Yeah. so it makes you change your game and it mm. makes you work on things that you probably weren't good at yeah isn't that how De La Hiva came about yeah 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 so <laughs> and, and this is the thing things do come about because of injuries yeah and and like we've got a girl at the moment who's got a bad shoulder she dislocated her shoulder so like on friday um what i said when you're rolling with that girl everybody put the hand in their belt mm. so you're working with jerk she only's got one arm to work with you've only got one arm to work with (laughs) so it's good because it makes you think it makes you think right i've only got one arm how am i going to get around here what am i going to do so sometimes it's good because you think outside the box Mm. and it it teaches you to do more stuff yes probably stuff that you wouldn't have tried before it forces you outside of your own comfort zone it does and that's something that I have struggled with in the past but um now i'm finding that i'm i'm more open to losing i'm more open to um experimenting with where my body goes and how i move and waiting for other people to do things um but getting over that hurdle like there is a certain element of pride when you start jujitsu where you're just like i'm not being tapped by that person i'm not going to do this by that person and like it does take a, a while for your for your brain to go it really doesn't matter nothing matters like even a competition like i remember when i so i signed up for my first competition which was supposed to be cleos and then 
uh, I, I worked myself up uh, into a stupor about it, like, oh, um, I don't want to let anyone down, I don't want like people to think I haven't done my best and stuff, so I'm like, I'll go to another competition before that one on my own and just see how I do. So I went to that competition and I did uh, okay and then I did Cleos and then when I spoke to my instructor about it, she was like, why why didn't you just, like, I would have gone with you if you told me, I was like, I just wanted to make sure I was ready. She was like, what, what, were you, what was the worst that was going to happen? Like, the instructor doesn't care if you win or lose, they care about you going out there and trying, okay. they care about um, you wanting to put yourself in that position and in that situation exactly and and even if you lose (coughs) you'll learn something oh yeah and 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 that's what i i say to i say to my girls i say to everybody sort of thing win or lose you'll learn Mm -hmm. from whatever you've done you will learn from that and and that's the thing like you say people get fixated on i can't tap i can't tap to a white belt i can't tap to to a blue belt i'm not tapping i'm a higher grade than them what does it matter i still have days where i go down to the gym and i think i was shit tonight yeah you know what i mean (laughs) and then there's other days i think oh everything went good today everything went just in your thinking straight it's all about how you manage your life yeah things will alter through your life and change how you do things when you your mind will change mm. Some, like I say sometimes we go down and I just have a laugh and we do this and we do yeah. that and we're messing around and playing around and doing if I did this what would you do what would you and just playing and then other days you're more focused and like I say there's some days I think black belts <laughs> I feel like we, we spoke about it before uh, we started recording like um, I got really fixated on uh, where I was as a white belt um, after I moved from Liverpool to Milton Keynes and then by the time my blue belt came around I was really surprised and I didn't want it because I was enjoying like being a, a white belt so much I was like yeah. oh I, 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 did, I, I really wasn't expecting them to give me it like when they did because um, I didn't think that I deserved it at that yeah. point and I was like okay <laughs> Like, I'll take it, but uh, it was really, uh, it was it was a bit of a shock when I got it. And like, it's still one of the proudest moments that yeah. I have at the moment because I, I got to, um, I got it from Mauricio, who is one of the loveliest people you'll ever meet. And then I got to meet Roger Gracie for the first time. And it was, it was one of my favourite days ever. <laughs> and I got to do it with all my friends as well, who I yeah. trained with. Um, but well, like, um, we, we've, we've met. Mauricio, we yeah. we've trained with him when he first came over and he came around and and Hodger as well. Um, you know what I mean? They're the nice guys. They're hilarious together. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. I bet I bet you. Have, you know what I mean? And and it's nice that when you've got those kind of people around you and stuff mm. like that. Um, we've been lucky that we've trained with a lot of different people. Yeah. Um, but because we've gone out there and done that. We've trained with Eddie Bravo. We've trained with um, 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 a guy called Michael Huas. Yeah. Michael Huas was an amazing guy. Absolutely. And one again, one of the humblest guys 
he was and um, I bet oh my I've never seen hands and feet on on, on some I'm not mean his hands and feet were enormous. I've never seen so big hands and feet. Like a gorilla. Oh you, they were just you were like this, but such a lovely guy. Um and and it's like I say, these people who are kinda up there who know their stuff, they're not out to kind of prove anything. Yeah. They do it because of the love of what they want to give out of it yeah and and things give back give back yeah and like i say cabrinha cabrinha was awesome to train with and stuff like that um and we've met some not (laughs) nice ones as well but like i say but but you can tell the ones who are not so nice are usually the ones who are trying to prove something yeah (laughs) um Okay, I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move the conversation on a little bit. Um, <coughs> so we were talking about women in jujitsu earlier. Um, as you've progressed through your belts, um, how how have you seen like the female engagement like throughout your progression? Like, because you're one of the one of the few women in the sport who has actually been able to watch the female element of the sport grow from the start, especially in the UK. Like, yeah. I, was it very big, like, in other countries? Uh, I think um, in Brazil, it was really big. Yeah. Um, in America, it was probably bigger than here. Um, when when the Brazilians started like going to America and stuff like that, watching, I think it, I think it's awesome how the how women's jiu-jitsu has evolved in Britain now, and like I said to you, there is there's so many good competitors out there in the women's jiu-jitsu now. Not I mean we've had we've had European champions, we've had world champions, and that's and that's fantastic to mm. see. Um, there's still not a lot of women who do jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Um, so what we've achieved in essence, because there isn't that many women doing it, I think it's phenomenal. It's absolutely brilliant to see. Um, I think sometimes like there is a lot more women doing jiu-jitsu, but then when you go to competitions in this country, where are all these women? Yeah. that are supposed to be out there training and competing because you tend to see the same people in the circuits mm. all the time, whether it's because we're up kind of north, so it's the same girls that are sort of doing the circuits in the north and maybe it's the same girl because yeah. you don't there tend a, to go you don't from... Get a lot of people crossing the border. Crossing. No, you don't. But it's like um, even at Naga. Um, the other week there when we went, I thought there would have been more women mm. there competing than what... Don't get me wrong, there was a lot of women there, and it's it's massive now compared to what it was, but it's still not... What it should be. Is what I would expect it to be, the way it has progressed and the way it has evolved. Mm. You, I, I would have thought there would have been more women travelling to do and compete. Do you think it's more difficult for women to compete in general? Um, like this is something that I was thinking about when I was putting my competition together. Um, 
for me, I feel, I felt that a lot of the um, reason why the numbers weren't like correlating correctly is because there's a certain level of intimidation at a competition due to the male aspect of it. Yeah, I, th- I think women, because the men's side of jiu-jitsu is far greater than mm. the women's, and and I still think a lot of the... Com- I, I think organisers are getting better, yeah. but I still think they cater it to the male... Mm-hmm. The male competitors, <clears throat> yeah, rather than that, they're still a little bit. Oh, we'll put the ladies on first, or the yeah. ladies have got to be here at such and such a time, and the men can come whenever they like, sort of thing. You know what I mean? And they're, they're still a little bit biased, mm. but I do think the organisers, like organisers, are starting to offer it at cheaper rates, and which. To be fair, I think a lot of the prices are extortionate to be competing anyway. Mm. Um, but if people want to compete, they will pay them prices. Yeah. So they're they're, go, they're going to do it, um, and and yeah, and I, and I think I think that kind of is a big kind of bugbear between the men as well that the women get it cheaper than what the men get it. Mm. Um, but I can understand why the organisers do that. Yeah. And to get more women in and things like that. Um, but I, I still think they're a bit more geared to yeah. putting it on for the guys. It w- The women and the kids are kind of an afterthought, I think, sometimes. Yeah. But how much of that would you think is because they understand that's where the core demographic is? So they're like... These are the pe- These are the. This is the majority of the competitive base, so we have to focus on this bit first, and the rest comes later. Or is it? Do you not think it's reactionary? It's more a case of oh, this is what we actually want to do, but we have to put this on for airs and graces. Yeah, I think it's more that than okay. than. <laughs> and and I, I, but like I say, they are getting better, and mm. they are trying to expand it more for the women and things like that i think i think what also puts a lot of women off is when they enter they end up all being amalgamated yes and i'm sorry but 10 kilos is a lot to give away to somebody who knows what they're doing it's lots and lots to give away it is um and and i think and i think there's that aspect as well that you you think oh i'm going to compete and then when you get there, some organisers are better than others and mm. let you know before you get there that there isn't people for you or do you want and or do you want your money back. But then a lot of the times you get there and it's kind of, oh, well, we need to put all yours in together. Yeah. That's, it's not great. Like last year, um, I fought in the heaviest bracket the whole time. And like sometimes the, the girls I was facing were giving away maybe 15 kilos and it's like it's not like they didn't give me a fight because every single fight I had was uh, really hard work but at the same time I have 15 kilos on them and that adds to the pressure that they're under so they have to work that much harder to get the smaller a smaller result yeah and it's not and 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 I, and I suppose it gives it puts you under a bit of pressure as well because you <laughs> feel 
you you're going in there knowing I'm a lot heavier than this person. Yeah. Can I really play my game how I want to play my game? Mm. Like I have um I have a bit of a complex about competing anyway, like um because of my uh, status as a trans person, people um when the argument comes up in conversation on either the underground or in uh, other forums, it's always thinking about the safety of the competitors that I'm fighting. Um, if I fight them, I'm gonna uh, break their arms, I'm gonna hurt them this way, I'm gonna hurt them that way. But what they don't understand is I'm not going there to hurt people. And if anything, I have to work that much harder to make sure I don't hurt people because all it takes is for one person to get hurt and I can't compete anymore ever. Yeah. And um, so like my partner's safety is always, and like it should always be someone else's concern like yeah you're not you're, you're, you're not there to kill them you're not out there to hurt somebody you're no. out there to show your <clears throat> skills at what you can do yeah you're out there to enjoy exactly enjoy what what you've learned okay i've learned this in the gym i've worked i've worked i've worked i want to see if i can pull it off against somebody who i'm not used to rolling with yeah and and, and it should be about that it should be about I'm not going to go out and rip this person's head off or I'm going to take their arm home and things like that. It's like there's always been arguments about um, if somebody doesn't tap, should mm. should you should the referee step in? Should the referee step in or should you just break their arm? And you know what I mean and things like that. Now, once again, to me, if you're in that situation where you're in in a competitive match and you know you've got that armbar on and that person doesn't tap, that's that person's fault for not tapping, mm -hmm. in my eyes. They know what they've come into. They know what the rules are. Yes. So I wouldn't let go of that armbar. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it on to break it or no. anything, but I wouldn't let go. You'd apply pressure slowly. Yeah. I would, was... I, I would keep it going. I would keep it. I would keep them there. Because at the end of the day, I know if I was in a bad position and somebody had an arm or a choke or something on me, yeah, that's what that's there for. Yeah. That's what that, that's your safety clause. Yeah. Tap. It don't mean you, you, you're brave or... I think it's stupidity <laughs> myself yeah. that if you do not tap when you're in something, to me, that's somebody being stupid. Stupid. Yeah. And, like, and, and once again, that's what the ref's there for as well. Yeah. That ref should step in. That ref should say, okay, then stop. Yeah, it's been on too long. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, so the, there is that safety aspect of things. Mm. And it's, it's once again, it's been sensible about them safety aspects of things. Yeah. It's common sense. Well, exactly. And like... It's like what you were saying with the higher level people earlier on. Like, you have to take pride out of it completely because you you, it will only end up hurting you. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it doesn't matter how long you can hold an armbar for. It doesn't matter how flexible you are. If it's on, it's on. It's on. Of course it and, is. And like, you either tap here and you can go to work tomorrow, or you don't, and then you're you can't train at all. We had it with a guy yesterday who um, twinged his arm. In, mm. in the gi and, and he lost and, um, and then he was getting ready to go into no gi and Darren said I thought 
thought you hurt your arm. He said, oh, I have. He said, well, what are you, what are you doing nuggy for? And he said, well, because I've entered and blah, blah, blah. And Darren said, don't yeah. do it, man. He said. Preserve your arm. Yeah. Why? But it's once again, it's that mentality sometimes of people. Oh, it don't matter. It's only my arm. Mm. Yeah. But <laughs> it's your ligaments and your tendons in your arm that are popping. Man, come on. Mm. Be sensible about it. And if someone watched you get hurt last time, what's the better they're going to go for that arm? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, and I think sometimes it's about the ego side of things. You've, we've got a sign down in our gym, leave your ego at the door. Yeah. Um, and then we've got, bring it in with you, everybody else does. <laughs> yeah? Because it's true. Yeah. It is an ego thing, and it's an ego thing about tapping like we always try to instill what does it matter even from the kids no i mean i teach my kids chokes strangles i can teach them arm bars they're allowed to do arm bars in in class they're allowed to do chokes in class they're allowed to do whatever knee bars wrist locks <laughs> don't go that far i have had i have had got some kids that are trying to do knee bars and i'm saying oi you can't do that it's not allowed and things but but it's like I say to the kids, you've got to tap, tap. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've got one little boy at the moment that he will not tap. It's, and and I'm, I'm literally over him. And I'll say, right, let go. But it wasn't on hell. It was. It was. It was. <laughs> I said, and I'm looking after you. I said, it's for your own safety. So let go now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, it's, it's instilling that in them from a young age. Mm. If it hurts, if it's on, you tap. Yeah, because one of the one of the big question marks around the sport is longevity in the sport. And like, if you're going all out in your early career, how are you supposed to get to your later career? Exactly. <laughs> like, you won't get your black belt if you blow your back out and you can't train anymore. No, no, that's it. You, you it, it. It's a very hard sport, is is jujitsu, and, and it's like I said, uh, I found it hard transitioning from the guys to teaching the ladies, mm. because I find the ladies, the men, you give them just a big move and they go away and do it. Ladies need to know the little the ins and outs. They want to yeah. know the little the little bits, the little details, and things like that, and. <laughs> Also, the ladies were, they wouldn't grab, they wouldn't grab hold of you, it, it, it would, they just grab, they just hold you like that, and I'd say, what's that? I'd say, that's no good. Yeah. It's a tough sport. Grab hold. You've got, you've got to grab hold of them. Grab hold. Pull them about. Rag them around. And you see them sort of look as they say, but I don't want to hurt them. I'll say, they're going to hurt you. <laughs> yeah. I say, Get hold of them. This is a rough sport. It's mm. not a mamby-pamby sport. It's a rough sport. You are going to get elbows. You are going to get knees. You are going to get heart. Sometimes it's not intentional, yeah. but it happens. Do you think that some of that's driven by the, there's like the maternal instinct to want to help rather than hurt yeah. other people? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like I've... Obviously, I've got a, a lot of my ladies have got children, mm. and I've I've got a few ladies who are um, 
big ladies, solid ladies, and when they're going with the little ones, but I don't want to put my weight on, I don't want to do it, and I'll say, do it. You've got to. Make them move. If they're going to get in stupid positions, you make them work to get out of those positions. It'll teach them not to go in those yeah. stupid positions with you. And, and, and it's once again, it's that, but I don't want to hurt them. We, like, I find humans tend to work a lot better with negative reinforcement than they do with positive. So the only way someone's going to learn not to have someone fly onto their face if they're really big is if they have to constantly deal with it in the class. Yeah. So if they are pitted with, if they go into an absolute division at a competition and they're fighting someone 15, 20 kilos heavier than them, they're not going to get squashed because they've spent the past four or five months dodging in and out of all of the other people that they train with. Exactly. And like so much of jujitsu is to do with muscle memory, I find. Like you can't, you can't, think about all of the moves that are going on you just feel and they go react. that's what that's it's reaction yes. it's all about reaction and timing in mm. jiu-jitsu um it's about that instinct of as somebody's coming towards you i need to get out of here yeah don't stay there <laughs> move movement is the to me is the um main element of jiu-jitsu mm. you stop still you've yeah. had it it's like what we were talking about before were we recording or not probably we weren't when we were talking about just don't accept the no we weren't recording <coughs> yeah it's, it's about that not accepting yeah so we had the conversation pretty much about how a lot a lot of the escapes happen in the transitional period between <coughs> people are comfortable so was it Darren who said if it's got a name people know how to work there so you work in between in the transitional phase between those aims and then you'll have a much better time of escaping or yeah. getting to a more beneficial position. position exactly and 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 that and and that's once again it's about being put in those on those pa- bad positions to actually remember oh my god i've been in this position before i don't like it why am i in this position again i need to learn to get out of this position i need to learn not to be in this position Mm. And that, to me, is about jujitsu. If you're getting put in bad positions, it's because you're allowing that person to put you in that bad, bad position. Mm. So to stop that, you have to learn. I don't want to be there. Mm. So get out of the way. Move before the. As soon as if that's their favourite move to you, like we've got one of the girls at the moment. She's phenomenal with cross face. As soon as she gets you there, you know it, it's going to be hard work to get out of that cross face. And it's basically, well, don't let her put you in there in the first place. Yeah. Why are you allowing that? <laughs> get get out of it. Move before they get there. Yeah. I've gone home a few days with print on my face. <laughs> Some people are just very good at it. Yeah. It, and that's it. You just you don't allow yourself to be there. You're already gone before mm. they're coming into that position. Yeah. Um... So, I think we've already gone over like the current climate of female female jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, in a, in a fair bit of depth. So, um, well, where we spoke before about you obviously observing uh, how the female uh, the female sport has grown over the past twenty years. 
Um, have there been any uh, female, like either competitors or people that you've trained that have really stood out as someone who you thought was special in the sport? Or is there, like, I'm more, I have to admit, I'm more curious to know, are there people that you like felt were special and would go on to achieve great things but then just disappeared? Um, I think it, it, it's once again, it's one of those um, organic things where you see people in the sport, especially females in the sport, and then other things that they sort of, organically they move on to other things like MMA. Yeah. Or they have a family. Yeah. Or it's not because they've gone out of the sport because they want to go out of the sport, it's because they've evolved somewhere else or their lives have yeah, evolved life's taken them somewhere else. Somewhere else. Um, it, it's like I still watch a lot of the the MMA um, with the girls and like we Rose and Joanna and, and stuff and, and, and watching them what they're kind of doing um i'm not you know what i mean emily emily quark was um I, I was lucky enough to meet emily quark who was a good competitor and everything in the states um and i got to meet him and she comes under marcelo garcia does emily and i got to meet emily when we went to new york and everything and caught up with emily and things and and it and it's like once again, Emily's moved into more coaching mm. and, and, and putting the jujitsu out there for all these young girls. And I, I know there's a, a young girl that Emily has been involved with who's coming through the ranks in Marcelo's school and everything like that, that is one to, to sort of watch out for and everything. I can't say that I've specifically just watched the mm. female jiu-jitsu yeah. players out there. Now, I mean, Nicolini, Nicolini was, I thought she was great to watch um, and had a lot of skill, but once again, she kind of moved in to MMA. Yeah. Mackenzie Dern, another one, was good to watch and everything. She's moved into MMA. Um, even Gabby Garcia. Yeah. Um, we, we watched Gabby at ADCC and big unit of a woman and stuff like that um so it's like i think because once again we spoke about jujitsu on its own for women i think women have to branch out other areas because mm. there isn't the same for the women in jujitsu competitive wise in essence of big prizes and making money yeah. and things they have to kind of branch out that way and I think once again girls we have always got that element where they're going to have a family or they're going to have this or yeah. things like that so I think with the guys they can just sort of focus on where they're going where women I don't think they can as much because there's more organic things going on around them yeah I get that and I I've known people who, like, they get pregnant, they train through it, then they have the kid and they come back. But that's, it seems to be the exception, not the rule. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of people, starting a family means the family becomes the biggest thing in their life. Yeah. 
I know it's very difficult to I don't want to say claw back because that that's not right uh, but to get back into to, yeah into that environment um and I think it's hard as well for women especially <coughs> to come back in from injuries really mm. serious injuries and um, not all but once again people who who have been injured in the sport um, I think there's that mental aspect of because like we said before they just get amalgamated with all shapes and sizes and sometimes yeah. that's not good um, and it's sometimes not good like especially if they're coming back from injuries even if it's just little injuries and then they go to a competition thinking they're fighting people their own size and when they get there yeah it, it don't happen so I think there's that aspect of things as well with um, and hopefully that'll get better as more women get into the sport mm. which it is progressing yeah. so hopefully in another 20 t years it won't be like yeah. we are at the moment it will be more evolved it will be there'll be more competitions out there there'll be more for the women to do there'll be more for um maybe even even earning more money just yeah. being on that professional side of things and that yeah hopefully hopefully like i i started running my competition last year and like i think the total at the end was about 74 women signed up the competition and uh it was an amazing day like mm -hmm. one of the things that also i find might put women off is childcare. like you can't bring a, a child to that environment like there's nothing really that there yeah. for them to do yeah. so like for my competition i was like there's a ball pit there's a bouncy castle they can do whatever they want and the parents can just focus on uh like competing yeah and um but yeah when I was creating my competition, I was like, what are the main things that I find are going to be the obstacles to women wanting to compete? <laughs> the environment itself were big up there. So I was like, I need to make it a fun environment. I need to make it, um, I don't want it to be as intense as anything else. So on the adult bouncy castle, so they could just work on that. Or uh, like a photo booth, there were a couple of uh, vendors there and stuff and it was just a nice day and like every like at most competitions I find that when where the women's uh, groups are so small they tend to just form a small community there and like get together and chat and stuff and like at my competition it stayed the same and it was just more people like talking getting to know each other like at the um, competition rather than it being this big oh I can't speak to them because I'm gonna be fighting them later on I can't I can't talk to them because they might try and put me off or something and that's how I feel that it works better for women but I, I don't think that can happen in every situation because no. a lot of the competitions like space is a big issue with um, hosting one and like the one that I found, the place I found in Birmingham, I only put on four mats so that I could have space for other people to move around. And even then it wasn't enough space. Yeah. So where people have like eight mats and uh, vendors and everything, like it gets very cramped yeah. very quickly. And it's also why there's no room for anyone to do anything in the yeah. competition. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it's that fine balance, isn't it? And, it, and, it, and it's like you say, probably catering for more 
like you say, when women are competing, they've got a lot more to think about before mm. they go out and compete. They're, they've either got a family at home or that they need to sort out before they go to competitions yeah. or they've got to bring the kids. A lot of my ladies bring the kids and we all sort of rally round and look after the kids and things like that. So there is that aspect of things. Mm. And, and I, th I think that's wonderful what you did there, the bounce apart. <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, it was luckily good fun. you've done I was very done, upset that I didn't get to have a go on it myself. <laughs> I oh. spent most of the day stressing out, so that's one thing I need to fix for the next one. Who's downstairs, Dad? Oh, right. Ooh. So we've got two. <laughs> so. Um, so you have kids. Did they get brought up into martial arts as well or was that their choice and they not mean they all trained all three of our kids trained in um, the martial arts um, but once again we didn't make them mm. if they wanted to train they trained if they didn't want to train they didn't train they've always been around the gym they've always even our grandson the same Vinny's the same he's been around the gym and the environment of the gym from being a baby Vinny's the same, Vinny trains, if he doesn't want to train, he doesn't train. So we've, we've always been a firm believer in if you try and make them do what we've done, mm. it doesn't always work. Yeah. You've got to let them kids make their own choice. Not, I mean, um, both girls got to a high level because obviously we didn't just do the jiu-jitsu then, we did the kicking, the striking. So we had like our own system where they had to do kicking, striking, takedowns, mm. throws, groundwork. Um, Chelsea got to her black belt in that. Jessica, what did Jessica get to? Was she, I don't know, she was I think Jess got to maybe red belt or something in that. Her son got to black belt in that. Um, Jonathan was a got to blue belt and actually jujitsu as well um he <laughs> why are you laughing I, i've just watched him all on the golf thing just knocked his leg off his surfboard <laughs> <laughs> oh Daz. so and, and and the funny thing is i think also because they were our kids they had to prove themselves that little bit more yeah so when we did do gradings when they were children and grown up, they had to, I, I suppose I, were, I was a little bit harder on my own children. Mm. And like our son, Jonathan, he, he, you know I mean? he got his blue belt actually at 15, but he couldn't wear it until he was 16, because mm. obviously you can't have your yeah. blue belt till you're 16, but he was actually promoted at 15. Um, and... It then he did some MMA matches and, and everything with her son as well. And then, um, funnily enough, I was just about to promote him to purple belt and he didn't come to class that night. He was going to get promoted. So needless to say, he's still a blue belt. <laughs> <laughs> because then life obviously takes yeah. over um He's got his own son. He's got a high-powered job and things like that. He 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 doesn't train much now. Um, he always keeps saying he's going to come back. The girls don't train. They can defend themselves and mm -hmm. things like that. 
but they don't they don't they so they don't actually come and physically train with us anymore they did up until a certain age and and it's like i said in like um the middle daughter she went off she worked on the cruise ships for six years so she was going all around the world and things like that um they still they still can defend themselves and they know and I, I still have an odd little fight with my son now and again and her grandson and things like that. So it, 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 they know about it and they have trained, but we've never made them train. Mm. That's been... how I found like with uh, religion growing up as well. I was forced uh, into Roman Catholicism. And then when I, went, when I hit 16, I was like, I can't do it anymore. Like, it's not my choice. You're forcing me to go here. And... Yeah. Now I, it, you've turned me off the idea of religion entirely. I'm going to be agnostic. <laughs> but that's it. And you, you find that, and and um, it's the same with a lot of my kids when they come training. Um, I allow adults, parents come. Um, who am I to say no? You can't come in and watch your child train. Mm. Um, some parents come in and train, uh, train as well after the children and stuff. So we've got a lot of. Uh, we've got a lot of parents who do do training and their kids do training um, I have had instances where the parents have been there and they're, they're shouting at the kids that's yeah. easy why can't you do that and so then I'll just say okay kids I'll sit down we're going to get mums and dads up now to come and do this and <laughs> to, to do a forward roll yeah, or a backward roll yeah and and I've found that's kind of what parents have sort of looked and thought is she kidding me because it's not easy. Yeah. It's forward rolls are not easy. Backward rolls are not easy. And 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 it's like, if you haven't done it, yeah. don't get on to your children. Like everyone it's a struggles. learning curve. It's it's learning and being able to do it. And so, and it's like, I have some parents who are really brilliant with their kids, and then I have some parents that are kind of, you, you hear them shouting and shouting and shouting and things. Mm. But that's once again, it, it's how they are, you yeah. know what I mean. But th but we interact, and I, and I'll say I've I've had like one parent say you're doing that wrong. I'll say actually he's not doing it wrong. It's just he's doing it in a different yeah. angle, but it's not wrong. Yeah. So you see, so it, it's just. But I include the parents, and I I because all the parents sit round and watch. They sit round and watch them fight. They sit round and watch the class. And funnily enough, a lot of the parents have picked up things that I'm teaching the kids. They'll pick it up and then they'll go and they'll use it. Where have you got that from? The kids' class. <laughs> so it's, it, it's, it's good all round. But I, I don't think you should push no. them to do things if they don't want to. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm conscious that we've been speaking for <laughs> two and a quarter hours. <laughs> and I don't want to take up all of your day. Um, so I'll just ask one last question yeah. and that is if you could offer any advice to women either in the sport or thinking about taking up the sport what would it be? Just jump in and do it. <laughs> I think I think jiu-jitsu for a woman is amazing. I think it, it's something that all women should learn and I think it would help a lot of women out there. We've helped a lot of women with issues regarding self-esteem, regarding um, being bullied. Mm. Um, we've just gave them that little bit of power about themselves. You can achieve this, you can do that. 
it is a hard sport I'm not going to lie and it is hard and it's very technical and but it's a lot of fun yeah it's a hell of a lot of fun and just go and have a go just go and and just enjoy that bit of jujitsu I mm. th- I I just think they should just jump in and do it. I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's, I think it's a wonderful sport, and um, well, I can't say I've done it for the last twenty odd years, and I'm not going to say that it, it's because I love it, and I still love it even now, and mm. I still I'm still picking up little details and things. That's what I love about it: the learning never. Yeah, ends. it never ends. And, and like, it's what you take out of it. Yeah. And like, whilst it is a very difficult sport, it just means that the rewards are that much more satisfying when they do come. Yeah. So, I, I love it, when, especially with my ladies, when they're, having, they're struggling with something, and then I'll say, right, look at it this way, or break it down this way, and blah, blah, blah. And then it's when they get it. I think that's awesome. It's great. It's when I, I, I watch my ladies go out and compete, and I think that's it. It's fantastic that they've taken on board what I'm saying to them. They've taken on board what we're doing in class and things like that, and then they go out and use it. And it's just great to see. And the kids and the guys, all of them. Mm. I love to see that aspect of things. Um, um, and and I, and I just think everybody should try jiu-jitsu. It's got a lot to offer. It does. It does. And I can't, I can't say any different. Because I try to get all of my friends and some of my family to start jiu-jitsu. And you get so much resistance from it. Like, they see me with bruises and stuff and they go, I, I don't want that stress in my life. It's like, it's not stress. It <laughs> actually, I found jiu-jitsu has helped me through a lot of bad times in my life. Like, when I lost my mum. Mm. Um, jiu-jitsu just, you just go and you forget about everything for them couple hours when you're on the mat. You're mm. just concentrating on what you're doing. And it just frees you. Yeah. Totally frees you. Yeah. And um, and I, f- I found <coughs> all sorts of things through my life, but jujitsu has always helped me get through those bad times. Yeah. Like, whenever I've, I've spoken about this before, I can't remember if I've spoken about it on the podcast or not, but like, um, when everything kicked off on the, um, the underground group the first time, like, it put me in a really bad place. <laughs> like very close to just quitting the sport in, entirely um, because I didn't think that there was any way back for me to, to go into it and um, I had a really bad like day the day after and um, I got a message from uh, Dan Lewis, the guy who runs competition classes and he's, he's one of the, the best people that I, I've ever had the pleasure of like rolling with and knowing in general nice person but like he sent me a message and just said come down to the gym and uh, we'll do something and I was like I don't know if I want to do it I don't I don't know if like it's something that I actually want to do now and he was like just come just come and then like he just rolled with me for an hour and it was great and it was just nice to like I've spoken about it before like when I roll everything just goes blank because you just focus on the task at hand and it was him doing that that kind of made me realise it doesn't really matter. Like, if I can't compete again, I can't compete again. But it doesn't mean I have to take everything away. So, um, 
like with this one guy um, in karate. But I have a lot to thank him for. Um, but but you can't let people stop you doing what you want to do either, Chloe. Yeah, no, that that, that. single-minded people. Yeah, and and everybody's got their opinion on things, mm. but it's yeah, it's not all negative. No, um, in fact, more positive came out of that situation than negative. Like it kind of made me realize why I was in the sport and why I compete and why um why I even wanted to do what I do. It um it was it made me realize that I wanted to give back to the sport. Um so that's why I started the uh, competition last year. It's why I've started making these podcasts to try and um let people know that they're not alone in what they feel. So I've done one on fibromyalgia. I've done one about um, depression and anxiety. And I wanted to speak to you because like you were the first, you had to go through an awful lot of nonsense uh, to get to where you are now. And like for a lot of people, I find that they'll make excuses as to why they can't. And mm. what I want to do is show it doesn't matter. Like I know, uh, like the para um, jujitsu is simply amazing. You've got people who've lost limbs, like they're almost quadriplegics, and they're yeah. still going out and yeah. they're still competing. Like all it takes is, as you say, just get onto the mats, right. and mm -hmm. everything else yeah. will sort itself out. Exactly. 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 And let's face it, they probably don't even compete. They probably don't even do jiu-jitsu. <laughs> so why have they got an opinion? Yeah, it's true. And like, I have a lot of support within the, the female jiu-jitsu community. Like, I still have people who don't agree with it 100%, and that's fine. Like, I know that I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I know that um, not everyone will see eye to eye with me competing, but that doesn't matter. But that's like, life, Chloe. Yeah, exactly. People probably don't, <coughs> not everybody will see eye to eye with me. People that's don't. only because you're so small. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that is that. That is that fact, too, yeah, to be fair. You know what I mean? People will say to me, um, somebody said, aren't you tiny? And I'll say, what, don't you and? <laughs> I, just, I thought you'd be taller. <laughs> so, yeah. It's just, it's just people being people, and yeah. unfortunately, a lot of people have got opinions that they know no, no, know nothing about. Yeah, it's true, but it's fine. <laughs> like, as I said, now I just, I do it for fun, and if I can, when I compete again, it will be for fun. Like, I've got, I have to take a, a four-month break like near the end of this year, which I'm not excited about. But um, after that, it's it's fine. Everything's going to be good. But um, I'm still going to go to the classes and I'm going to try and not get as frustrated as you did when you left yours. Because <laughs> they're all doing it and I can't. Yeah. But um, I do want to keep my toe in and just make sure that I'm not just doing nothing. So I, I want to work on my flexibility whilst I can't do jiu-jitsu oh, so it. there's always something you can work on yeah always so 
that's going to be my my goal <laughs> and then i'll get better exactly and that's <laughs> it that's the whole aim isn't it about getting better enjoying yeah. it going out there enjoying it i still i train we train monday night tuesday night thursday night friday night saturday i that's my training seven mile nine on a monday we never got up here before 10 seven mile nine don't got up here before 10 then on a Thursday, I've got a kids' class. Then the adults' class. Friday night, I've got the ladies' only class. Saturday, I've got the kids' class. You know what I mean? It's just still a big part of our life. Mm. And I think for a lot of years to come, it's still going to be a big part of our life. Um, I don't... I still roll. Yeah. I'm, I'm more cautious about who I do roll with now. Yeah. In the essence, I, I pick my partners mm. more wisely because... I'm getting older um, and also because if I didn't start picking my partners wisely <laughs> I was going to get bit by my husband Darren because, <laughs> but apart from that no I do because I want to still be able to roll yeah. I still want to be able to to do what I do in the gym and things like that and when you've got new people coming in and young lads and things like that and I pick people who I, I roll with um, because I want to enjoy the roles. I don't want to be fighting for my life. I don't want to yeah. be put under too much and things like that now. It should be because fun. It's, it's about fun. Exactly. So I roll with all my girls. I roll with all the kids. I roll with majority. I've got certain guys in, in the gym that I will roll with all the time. Like young Jake I roll with. There's uh, another lad called Ollie. Um, they're quite fast and like just how I am all over the place and everything <laughs> so you get who you, you know what I mean yeah. me and Darren still roll now and again we uh, he'd been out recently had a bad injury and then he's just getting back in but before his injury we hadn't rolled for a while and we had a really good roll for about 20 minutes and it was awesome because we hadn't done it for so long yeah but then uh, and so and, and it's a different type of role with Darren because Darren's is is more it's about a pressure game and things like that. So I have to really move and I have to do this, and but then it's like if I get mount on Darren, Darren knows he's got to get me off quick, otherwise <laughs> uh, he's in for a long wait. And so it, it's a different type of role, mm. but it's a good role. Yeah. So it's picking your roles because I still want to be able to do that. Yeah. I don't want to be getting injured. I don't want to be getting hurt. No. I want to be able to still roll. So yeah. that's it. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll go down there waiting for us. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, thank you very much for... Oh, you're welcome. For speaking you to me. I could literally speak to you all day. <laughs> we've, we've been in it a long time, Chloe, as you can see, and we've seen a lot from the very stage all the way through. Mm. And we don't get involved with a lot of the politics that are in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. That was kind of why, another reason why we sort of formed our own combat base and everything. Because there was a lot of politics and everything at yeah. the beginning. I ain't into politics. <laughs> I ain't into, I'm not interested in... Yeah. Just roll. Just want to roll. Dad and deal with that side. Not me. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for speaking to me. Oh, and you're welcome. I'll probably come and speak to you again at some point because there's so much more that I want to ask you <laughs> and talk no, to you about. That's fine. That's not a problem. We'll go down and have a roll now then with the girls that have come. Awesome. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much.
and that's it. And there you have it. Um, again, I can only apologise for the, the quality of some of it. Um, I had to cut out massive bits where it was literally just static. So um, I apologise for uh, how disjointed some of the bits might have sounded. Um, yeah, the next podcast is likely to come in a few weeks' time. Um, I have one more lined up, as I said, at the end of the previous one. Um and that is with Sam Cook, as advertised on the Fight Like a Girl uh, Facebook page the other week. If you do have any more questions that you'd like me to put to her, get in touch and I'll note them down. But until then, thank you once more for listening through my ramblings and the wonderful Helen Curry. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll, you'll hear from me again shortly, no doubt. <laughs> Bye. Mic check. I don't believe that for a second. No. No, no. He's never been shy in his life, Floyd. <laughs>